I'll save I'll save it for the show. But before we even start, the my favorite thing that I've noticed so far is it was discovered through FBI tapes that this was David Koresh's favorite movie. Oh, <laughs> fuck! You. Which I'll bring that up again, and we'll talk about it later. That's awesome. <laughs> you were telling me you guys are relaunching. Well, not like relaunching. We just didn't. We just took a little while off. What happened was uh, we had this live show at Nighthawk, and they got back in touch with us about doing another live show. <laughs> and we so were we were like, like, we should keep doing this. We stuff, should right? probably keep doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> From the imagination of Stephen King comes the story of a man. Go! Come on, boy, let's go. Grass is waiting for you. With the mind of a child. Yes, Cybo Man, he came to see me. Cybo Man? Comics, right? Yes, Cybo Man. <laughs> and a doctor. Virtual reality holds a key to the evolution of the human mind. With a vision of the future. I have a game in my house that you might like to play. Would you like that? Yeah. Okay. That was really bad. I have different games. I even have one that could help make you smarter. Now, ah! Job Smith is about to enter the world of virtual reality. Ah, it's gonna hit no, me. no, no, Job, just relax. It's gonna be like being up there with the stars, Job. They're going to another planet. All right, well, welcome to 30 Years Later, the return of 30 Years Later after a brief hiatus and existential meltdown on my part. <laughs> I am your host, Ricky Camilleri. And uh, you're joined as well by uh, your co-host, my co-host, Chris Chafin. Say hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. I think one of the problems you have, Ricky, is the podcast was your idea, so you can't accept that it's a good idea. You must feel like there that must be like a, some second level to it, or like it, somehow it's a bad idea. But it, it is. It's good. It's good, and it's fun, and I'm glad we're doing it again, and it's nice to talk to you. That's funny that you say that, because tangentially, you know, there is another aspect of my life that is going really well. And I keep looking for other people to say that it's bad so that I can be like, we shouldn't do this. We actually shouldn't do this. Like as this thing, this project that I'm working on gets further along, I kept being like, we should find someone to tell us that it's actually bad guys, because I, there's no way it's actually good. And we're going to embarrass ourselves. I have the mother from Carrie on loop. And this is like when we did the live show, you were like, you were texting me for weeks beforehand. You were like, we shouldn't do this. We definitely shouldn't do this live show, right? Like, this is definitely a bad idea. And I was like, no, we should do it. It's People want us to do it. You know, it's going to be good. Uh, okay, so today, for the return of 30 Years Later, we're talking about a um, classic movie, a real gem of a, of a film here, one that I was so excited to oh. return to watching a movie a week for. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I would cite it as maybe an example as to why I don't want to watch a movie a week <laughs> from 30 years ago. Uh, and we're talking about uh, March 6th, 1992's Lawnmower Man. Directed by by Brett Leonard, uh, barely based on a Stephen King short story, and starring Pierce Brosnan and Jeff Fahey, and we are extremely lucky to be talking about this movie with Twitter's own Warrior Cop and also host of the podcast A Lab series, Mr. Cop. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> you can call me Andy. Generally, I go by Andy. At, at work, I don't make people call me Mr. Cop or anything like that. <laughs> 
I mean, I kind of enjoyed Mr. Cop. I thought you were going to change your voice and come in with some sort of cartoon deep voice or something. Uh, I think there will probably be some comments during the discussion of the movie. I, w- I did a tour in the military, and I had some issues with some of the weapons handling in this movie. Oh, did you? Did you? <laughs> yeah. Andy and I went to high school together and have known each other a really long time, obviously. And I was thinking, this is one of your favorite movies, you said, right? And I loved and it as a kid. I mean, watching it kid, again as an adult, I, I can, you know, perceive some infirmities yeah, <laughs> that I might have well, missed the first time around. <laughs> I went into this movie expecting to kind of like it on its own terms and to be like the special effects are dated, but it's cool. Like they're kind of a part of glitch art now that you see all over the place and it's a routine reference on the internet. And so I was excited for the movie, even given it like meeting it on its own terms and even on its own terms, I was like, this just isn't even that fun to watch. And I wonder if like, after 1992, by the age of like 16, even smoking weed, you'd watch and be like, "I'd rather watch Dead Alive." I like, think it's I think really it's crazy. I, I had fun watching it this week, um, but I I not only do I think it would work as a pot smoking teenager discussion movie, I think it basically reads like it was written by a fucking pot smoking teenager <laughs> who was like they read flowers for Algernon and they're like, "No, dude, you know it'd be so much better if there was like fucking guns." And like if the guy was like if his mom was just like fucking exploding, dude, and he was gonna like upload himself on the computer, that oh, and then there's like a really hot chick, right? Oh, and they have sex, but they have sex shit. inside of a fucking video game, dude. Boom. <laughs> what what happens in that sex scene inside the video game? <laughs> it's really hard to say. I mean, they melt like, into he, each other. He, they turn he into fucks a dragon. So hard inside the video game that he blows her mind. Like he literally puts her in the game fucks her consciousness so hard that she's like, I can't take it anymore. Turn it off. They're like merging into each other at one point. But then at one point he clearly yeah. deforms into a non-humanoid like fucking freak creature and is like eating her or I'm not. He sure seems what it to is. be vomiting some kind of psychic energy onto her. Yeah. And that's to, to the point of almost death. You know? Yeah. Just... And I, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to go all the way, baby. Bring on the Cenobites. Pleasure and pain, <laughs> indivisible. Let's do this digitally. Um, so this, uh, so Lawnmower Man to, I guess to make it brief, the the plot of the movie, and then we can just get get into it, is about a, um, a an eccentric uh, scientist who's working for what is most likely uh, some sort of weapons department, the U.S. government, and developing different d- digital technologies and consciousnesses, and uh, he takes his neighbor who mows or the guy who mows his lawn who's not very smart who's literally the inspiration for simple jack in uh tropic thunder like very obviously uh that's gotta be i am turns... sam i gotta i gotta contradict you there you oh, think it's i am sam 100 I mean... sean pan going for oh, yeah, yeah. i think so <laughs> i i do I, mean... I hate to agree with our guest but i do think it is i am sam but maybe there's some of this I... in there you know Simple Jack has the hair. He does like, look like oh, Simple that's Jack's hair. Yeah. That's maybe physically they were doing that. Um, it so is. He, can I, wait, can I just say at this point, and I don't mean to derail the discussion so early, but just... Please do. I think I'm failing at describing the plot of this this movie. Look, Ricky, you're doing great, and I support you, and I'm here for you. <laughs> you're doing a Thank fantastic you. job. One of the things that was interesting, I read a bunch of oral histories about this and stuff, and articles that made after the fact, 
And it is interesting to watch people try to describe what is going on with the Job character because they never explicitly say that he is like mentally handicapped or something like that. So even to this day, all the articles will say like, um, appears to not have the same level of intellect as those around him. Like that was yeah, funny. that's not the language they were using in '92. There's pretty, there's some pretty clear words I think being used at that time. He's he's the local village idiot born out of like you know Huck Finn or something who, or like you said, flowers of Algernon. And uh, there's a the the brilliant scientist that lives in the neighborhood somehow lives in like a ranch house in this neighborhood, but he's like a it's like would be a much better paid. Person than well, he this. has a big ass uh, house. I think he has a huge house. Does he really? I thought he had like a ranch house and was just always in this tiny basement. No, he lives that in like a huge. He has got he like really? he's got multiple VR rigs in there. <laughs> he's got so many couches. He's got in two that VR rigs right next to each other and the computer desk. There's a and then like around, a treadmill. And, yeah, right. He works out down there. He's got a desk. You look he, from the outside. Do it looks you, like the house from What About Bob. I'm, he's got that grooming. I'm pretty couch. sure. I'm pretty sure it's just a ranch home, like a uh, you, two bedroom, three bedroom, r- like ranch home. It's definitely two stories and three stories because yeah, 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 yeah. Because in the in when he wakes up from the dream in one of the earliest scenes, remember where you get your first introduction to him is just like he's kind of a prick and he's uh, so he wakes up and starts smoking. Uh, at the end of that scene, he's like peeking out of the window and he watches the alcoholic neighbor beat the shit out of his family and he's just like real casual <laughs> about it, just like oh wow, that's. <laughs> I guess that's going on over there. He's watching from the second story, so I agree. Right, you're right, you're right. Wow. Yeah, that alcoholic neighbor sure is a character. <laughs> Pulls up and beats his kid for fucking no reason, and it's just like a like a handsome TV actor from 1991 with a hard hat. On. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> well, I I really just like I love Brosnan's character in this because. You know, normally he's like this dashing, daring, like sophisticate who's, you know, pulling off a con or he's James Bond or something. And this whole the whole way through this entire movie, he really is just like a self-absorbed piece of shit. And even in that first scene, it's so casual. He's just like pulling the curtains to the side and looking over and watching this family just like get slapped around by the guy while he smokes a cigarette. And he's like, huh, weird. I mean, you really see how much of a piece of shit he is when he's outside and he grabs the neighborhood boy, who's a wayward youth because his father beats him and his mother's not available, and the na- and the village idiot, and is like, "Do you want to come to my basement and play some games?" Yeah. Like I, he literally I grabs the it. two most hated the it. two most vulnerable, yeah, two most vulnerable and open to grooming people in his neighborhood, and, he and isn't, is like, he "Come is to my basement." Going to drug and do yes. something bad to one of yes. them—that is what he's planning to do. We're kind of. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you guys do the, the the plot progression or whatever, but at the point where he converts Job from like the lawnmower guy to like I'm now going to experiment on you, it's just such a fascinating scene because you're looking at like early '90s Hollywood, and basically what they've done is they've written a grooming scene and then just transplanted yeah. it to this context because he's like, "Yeah, would you like it? I think you might like it. Maybe you would enjoy being smarter because then people couldn't manipulate you." You know. Meanwhile, he's manipulating him into. He's like, "So maybe people, you know, you would like this, well, don't you think so?" And he's like, "I don't know, Doctor Angelo. If you think it's good, he's like, 
yeah, I think you would. And then, uh, and then he says, but it would have to be our little secret. I mean, it's creepy as shit. He says, he literally says it would have to be our little, yes. our secret. And then he says something along the lines of like, it would have to be a secret. And then Job looks at him and says, our secret. Yeah. Like Job has clearly been groomed before. And oh, knows God. the language. Right. But that's, but that's like my big issue with this movie or not even issue, but what I liked about this movie was that I felt like thematically it was sound and it was hitting all these points very well. But technically I thought it was kind of a disaster and maybe I just couldn't help my wrap my head around it, but I thought it looked like a softcore porn most of the time. Uh-huh. And that's not even the graphics, but like the, the sets, the, sh- the way it was shot. Just like, because there's a I character whose entire, her entire personality yeah. is wearing a low-cut top while, and a giant hat while she looks at the gardener next door and, and goes like, who's that? You know? Right, and she's shot with like a soft filter and like a little bit of mist blowing behind yeah, her. Yeah, she like has like a. She's only wearing like a bikini top, a hat, and a scarf. You know, and you're like, uh-huh. like apparently the digital effects of the movie only cost five hundred thousand, and the movie itself cost ten million. And like, I don't see where any of that money went because it looks set. like it was sh- the set. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess. The entire budget was spent on this set that also makes no sense. The VR like rigs, the like government facility. Yeah, yeah like the dungeony right. kind of uh, like glass and stone space where they put the VR rigs. That seems very easy to break into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just walk in or walk yeah. out. Yeah, you can just bring uh, a date there at night. They're cool. They don't he just mind. Brings his date. <laughs> yeah, I had a, there uh, were a number of problems with the security of the stuff going on, like. So he he goes on a hiatus and then he decides to groom Job. Uh, we're way ahead, you know. We haven't described yeah, what, right. what the plot is of the movie at all. But like he pulls, uh, you know, he pulls him over to his fridge, opens it up, and pulls out some classified chemicals and starts injecting them into Job. And like, what? You just have this shit at your house, like. Especially if you just had some kind of disaster where one of your lab animals murdered someone, shot up the whole fucking base. Yeah. I do really like when when movies of this time could be like. Hey, look, everyone's seen a hypodermic needle going into an arm. We need to give them drugs via a gun. That's cool. That goes yeah, that's in really the arm. Cool. Like, yeah, there's like no, like, I don't even know if it's scientifically sound or necessary in the moment, but it's like, this will look cool. It looks Let's badass. Let's do that. Yeah. And the green blue <laughs> liquid are like the good ones. And then later, when the government swaps out to the evil ones, it's red liquid. Crit. Chris, do you want to pick up where we where I left yeah, off on the plot? So, um, God, where how far did you even get? Because I feel like we skipped over some of the best stuff, which was at the beginning. I I forgot it. We we actually the movie opens on a chimp playing a video game, and then mm. or the chimp is watching Pierce Brosnan have an argument about how he doesn't want to give the chimp these drugs because it makes him violent, and so literally literally one of the first lines in this movie is Pierce Brosnan being filmed in kind of predator vision, which we're given to understand as the point of view of a monkey. And Pierce goes, he's the best chimp I've ever had. <laughs> so good. So it's good. And demise, then, yeah. and then the chimp goes on a rampage and murders someone. We see from the chimp's point of view, him shooting someone in the head. And then, yeah, unfortunately the chimp is killed by the security at the um, secret facility. And then the movie hard cuts to like, like the be- like like what about Bob or like you know it's just like a very like normal <laughs> suburb from the 1990s giant rose bushes and like big green lawns and then is that a suburb I mean that set like that didn't feel like it 
that sort of felt like it was shot on some sort of suburb built on a soundstage. Like it looked like they had a limited amount of shots that they could yeah. that they could actually get without revealing the fourth wall there. <laughs> like every like every shot seemed like this is the guy, and then we move like so many degrees to the right, and then we move back to the reaction shot. The like, gas didn't station ever feels feel like a they lot could like do that. like 180. You get like oh, one shot station? of the gas station, maybe another, and they're not turning that camera at all. This guy, so the guy who directed the movie, uh, Brett Leonard, and the thing about him was he isn't really like a movie director, or he certainly wasn't at the time. And all these um, oral histories, they call him like a guy from the research space. <laughs> and supposedly he got the idea for the movie by like literally being at like a trade show and like putting on a, a virtual reality helmet and literally standing up and going like, this is going to change the world. I have to make a movie about this. And then he somehow became a movie director and made this movie. So I think some of it is the budget, but some of it is you're just watching a guy figure out like, okay, what's the minimum number of shots I can do to make a movie? Like really the important thing is educating the public about virtual reality. And if I have to do it through a movie, okay. You know, he is on Twitter uh, he has only 794 followers, but if you if you had to imagine what Brett Leonard, the director of of Lawnmower Man, looks like now, I want you to imagine that, and then I want you to click on this link that I just put in the chat to his Twitter <laughs> and see if it matches what you imagined. I did look at him before because I watched one of his interviews in preparing, and I don't know, I thought it was uh, fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't want to say like I don't want to say like no offense like there's no real nice way to say it. It's just that like I watched an interview with him in 2016 and he's given this like he's given an interview that he could have given when the movie came out. He's like it's all VR optimism. It's like, you know, virtual reality is going to change the world, it's going to take over, it's going to it's going to like absorb everything, you know, consumer VR starting to take off and like it's going to unite everybody. He says Marshall McLuhan said you know, that we really have to reach, we will eventually reach like a post-lingual, a post-language technology that allows everyone to interface at a level beyond language and culture. And I think virtual reality is going to give us a chance to do that. And I was thinking like, man, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, have you been watching what the fuck has been happening in the world since like the dawn of the internet? Or like, this was in 2016, so every subsequent event has disproven that. Like, what's going to happen is people oh are just going to fuck cartoon characters, A. That's like the primary use of VR. And then like, the next uses are going to be like, I don't know, conspiracy theories and like, I don't know. I fear VR more now than I think I ever have. Not because I think it's like rightfully going to take over. I think uh, the companies that are pushing for it are so uh, economically powerful that they can sort of remodel society in the uh, shape that they want it to for their business purposes. Um, so far, it doesn't seem to be going well for Facebook, thankfully. But uh, I, I, you know, all these other companies are taking off. And when the workspace becomes primarily a VR space, like uh, I, I worry about what that looks like i do actually you, have like fears do, about that wait do ricky do you really think at at some point in the near future the workspace will primarily be in virtual reality i don't know man mm -hmm. i think uh I, I this idea that you know like all these all these companies that are like we want people to come back to work and have no reason to want that right. but have to pay their rent 
what they actually want to do is be able to keep better tabs on their employees and what they're doing because their employees only actually have to do like two hours of work a day, but they know that they're paying them a full salary. So they're fucking jealous all the time. And they want to be able to make sure that if you have that VR headset that you're at whatever space you're at, even though you're in your home and your home is a fucking cube where there's like, you know, gaseous air and flying spiders and yeah. bugs outside and you can't do it. there's that's a very the, interesting m- thought-provoking film i don't know if you've seen it it's called ready player one have you seen this ricky it makes <laughs> yeah, some very I, interesting I, arguments I, I, about I don't, I don't think i don't think that that's necessarily incorrect i don't think it's soon i don't think it's in the next five years and i hope that i'm wrong what the fuck do i know you know i'm just scared <laughs> i do like that you're scared of vr though that's that's actually pretty sweet <laughs> I mean, the hope is that, like, you know, people like being in person enough to 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 continue doing that. And I think that they do. But. I mean, yeah. So we're hopscotching around a lot, obviously. And I don't know that we're even going to get through the movie. But I think I would like to talk about this idea because I, I agree with what you said, Andy. Which So this movie is credited with popularizing the idea of virtual reality, right? And they, like you're saying, the director's a real VR evangelist, you know? And it's kind of shaped our whole idea of what VR is, right? This This movie. But, like, I agree that people are saying exactly the same things today, like, 30 years later about VR that they were saying in 1992. Like, literally, they are saying the same things, and the technology doesn't work, like, equally the same amount, you know? Right. Yeah, Yeah, nothing interesting has happened necessarily. I mean, like, the graphics are better, I guess. Um, When I look at, like, the Metaverse kind of graphics that they show, it sort of looks like a Nintendo Switch lobby that I'm waiting for. Yeah, or like a a Wii lobby. Yeah, right. Yeah, I sort of enjoyed, actually, the graphics. I I know that they, they don't age well here, but I think there's a lot... There's a lot going for them, even though they're 1992 computer graphics that you see here, because there are like edges to things. There are like vibrant colors. There's sort of clashing things that don't make sense. Instead of what you get in like a, a in the you know the the Facebook Metaverse ads, where it's like a highly rubberized sort of everything's just kind of like fat and round. Um, it's non- Pixar. It's like pick. Pixar world yeah. versus psychedelic world. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like non-threatening and and therefore in a sense non-interesting. Whereas, like, what yeah. you see in the VR, like, you see, imagine that the Facebook Metaverse ad had just been the video game scene where the guys are on, like, some really, some rigs that are going up and down, and they're, like, <laughs> zooming through chomping teeth. That shit does look cool. Sorry, it looks fucking cool. <laughs> Nothing in the Metaverse ad looked like that cool. Dude, I would do that. I would do that for real. I would do like, that, the, yeah, right I, now. It would rule. If the Facebook Metaverse commercial, the Metaverse commercial, was just the two bodies absorbing each other and fucking <laughs> yeah, to fly. Right? And then it just, like, hard cut to Zuckerberg being like, Metaverse. Yeah. Just, like, that's you will it. blow a wad you, like you would never have in your fucking life. You, you, oh. you will fuck her consciousness. <laughs> You would get way more sign up, way more interesting. And instead, what they have is just like a weird, it's like, you can go to a meeting with vampire teeth sticking out of your fat, weird head. I don't know. I, I've met I, I, I've met people who like VR a lot. They're a lot younger than me. They actually enjoy it. And two, I do think that once everybody starts, or like a certain number of people start using something, everybody else feels like they have to to be a part of the rest of the world. You know, that was Facebook. It seemed like, okay, well, now everybody's on this thing, so now I have to be on it. I And then some people say- I agree with something it, that you're saying to the extent that, like, pow- when powerful people want something, they just make it happen, you know? Like, yeah. like, you can have lots of opinions, and I have had lots of opinions about how stupid 
you know, cryptocurrency can be at times and stuff. Um, it doesn't fucking matter, honestly, what you think about any of that shit, about NFTs and how dumb they are or whatever. It doesn't matter because powerful people are all in on them. And so they're not going mm-hmm. away. In fact, they're flourishing. Um, and so, like, that may be detestable and it may, like, not make any sense to you for now or whatever. But it really doesn't matter because you're not making any trend. You're just, like, sitting in the waves of, you know, that are being made by much larger entities. And so, to that extent, I do agree with you. I don't really know where the metaverse is going, but I don't think that Facebook is just, like, out to lunch thinking that this will be a future trend and that's why they're trying to capitalize on it. That's why they changed their entire name. Um, I actually think there's an interesting sort of parallel with the movie in a sense because job's whole goal right like his whole his whole goal of going online i mean we haven't talked about the plot of the 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 the, the plot summary of the movie right is that he gets you know some kind of super psychotropic uh chemicals that change him from a mentally disabled person to you know a super genius and then like a transcendent um sort of godlike entity who uploads himself into the computer but his goal in doing that what he says is that everyone's eventually going to be living online and i'm going to be there waiting for them I'm going to be there, you know, leading them into evolution, or maybe, you know, we think his aggressive tendency is going to dominate them, eat them, who fucking knows. But, like, there's a weird parallel where, like, you can see that Facebook and other entities are trying to position themselves out. They're trying to lead the pack here and get out into and preoccupy the place where they believe everybody's going to be because they do want to control that space and they do want to govern. Exactly. I mean, I I guess you, I think you articulated both my 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 fear and thoughts about what is currently happening and, and going to happen much better than I could do it myself. And going back to the movie, if we're going over the plot really fast, I think you basically covered it. He kind of, he makes this guy smart. He ends up sort of seeking revenge on all those have wrong, who have wronged him in the neighborhood. And then the gov- the U S government wants to use him as a weapon. And Pierce Brosnan then has to kill his Frankenstein, kill, kill his baby. Um, but I want to go back to the beginning of the movie and to something that there are so many moments in this movie where I feel like it gets something right. And so many moments where it gets something wrong that I feel like your example of the way that the director talks about the movie makes me feel like he doesn't even know within the movie when he's getting something right. Interesting. Right. Like I, I don't know if the movie necessarily knows. And because there's mo- so many, so many scenes of dialogue that, don't really make sense to me. And one of them was the one that I was texting you about, Chris, where the first time we meet his wife, who is annoyed with him and all of the work that he's doing. Well, he's in the basement because he's been, he's basically, he's on sabbatical or on leave. And she comes down because she wants to go to the city and he can't drive her because he's working. And she's like, I want to go to the city though. And he's like, babe, I told you we can't go. And, and then she goes, what, flying falling what's next fucking and yes well i'm not really sure i understand amazing okay so you guys understood that line i was like how does she get from there to there what are we talking about i mean i think it's a dumb line but i think like it's absolutely what's next it's the fucking preamp it's the primary thing that people want to do with fucking beach just like that's the primary thing people uh, people want to do with the internet is fucking jack off (laughs) right so it's the idea that like we're starting with these very basic things and soon we're going to be we're going to be and fucking, also kind right. of subtly she's saying you spend all your time with this virtual reality. The only thing it can't do is fuck you. But, you know, right. Yeah. Is that what's next? What's going on with our relationship? You yes, know? that's right. So really, well, so it do actually, you think... it's very deep, Ricky. And I, <laughs> I love I, well, I love this scene. Like, I, 
he's obviously a prick and like not good to her or whatever but there there is a piece of this that i found really relatable we're like we've all done this men women everybody where she's like you said you're gonna take me to the city and he's like oh babe you should have reminded me and she's like i did <laughs> and like you have if you're listening to this you've definitely done this where you're like oh i definitely i wanted to do that stupid bullshit that you signed <laughs> us up for i'm so sorry it didn't work out oh i def why can't oh, we just can't waste the fucking saturday doing that shit but if you think about it kind of it's your fault but yeah, i can't right. believe it didn't happen right. <laughs> you have done this you have done this don't fucking lie to yourself oh my god oh i wish you would have remembered to remind me too <laughs> then we could have done it <laughs> yes absolutely so uh he's a dickhead but like it's a recognizable move in my opinion. <laughs> but do you think that this the 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 director is on top of what he's saying consistently? Like do you think he gets that it's a grooming scene later on with the kid and and him? Not that it really matters though because I accepted it as a grooming scene and loved it for that reason. I think it was deliberate. But there are many really yeah you think it was deliberate because the the text is like is almost unmistakable. It, it reads I mean yeah. it's like I, I, to, to me, it seemed very much like it was like a transplanted, I don't know, like a, a, a scene that would make your skin crawl from Spotlight or something. And because I think thematically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to fucking step on that. That's, I mean, that's good stuff. Um, but I think that in the context of the scene, it's like the the director is saying like, oh, here's this guy and he's luring him into this, you know, thing that's going to ultimately drive him mad and, you know, it's going to it's going to dominate society. So I think I think it is supposed to be negative that, that he's doing this to him. I, I do think that the director's on top of this. The character is consistently a big piece of shit. He sucks from the first time we see him. And it's a little weird because Pierce Brosnan, I think, is a missed opportunity. He's still just kind of being Pierce Brosnan. He's maybe a little yeah. bit more loose around the edge. It's a missed opportunity for him to like ham it up like get a little loose here but like the character you know wakes up smoking in bed like this is a big red like a big red light flashing i'm a dick hair it's so long like down to his chin and it's flopping around all the time and he's has his shirt off all the time in this movie right (laughs) he's like so he's like manipulating job he doesn't listen to job right so job says at at, at some points um you know we've talked we've touched on the plot who knows how much we're gonna go back to that but like you know, at some point, these psychotropic drugs do more than just, like, teach Job to learn Latin in a day. At some point, he starts to hear other people's thoughts, and it, and it, it invades his mind in a way that causes him, you know, psychic pain or whatever. And he's, so, he's confessing that to Dr. Angelo, and he's saying, look, I don't know what to do here. And, and all that Pierce Brosnan does is he's just, like, stroking his chin. He's like, this is incredible. This is amazing. <laughs> wow, what does this mean for the research? And I think that's very deliberate because he doesn't give a fuck what's going on for Job. He's just like, how does this impact my research and me? While this, you know, this fucking idiot, I guess, is having some kind of problem. But whoa, you know, I've really discovered something here. I think that's deliberate. And that's also the character of Job, right? I mean, he's fucking called Job, right? It's like right. when he's uh, when he's an idiot, everybody's mean to him, and he's being taken advantage of. Although he is happy in a certain way, and then he's taken advantage of by Pierce Brosnan, who treats him terribly. And then the last act or the climax of the movie is him like taking brutal revenge on everyone. So right. I think, yeah, totally, you're supposed to see him as exploited in, in the movie. I saw that. Yeah, he was definitely exploited. I, I there was so there was so much ham fisted acting at times, though. I was God. curious how much oh how God. much the director in the movie were like. Was that a stylistic choice? 
at a certain that, point. I don't think so. At no. a certain point, there's so much of it that you're like, come on. And then the special effects kick in at the end, right? There's the sort of melding of the virtual reality world with the real world and the effects jump in there and they are outlandishly bad <laughs> and it's confusing. I was confused. I was like, wait, did they run out of money or are they trying to say that like he is bringing the virtual world into the real world, but at the same time he can control objects. So we see him do murders with real objects like a fucking lawnmower. But then all of a sudden we see him use his mind to set somebody on fire and it looks like a fucking cartoon <laughs> from 1976. It does look like, really what the bad. Fuck happened? Like, and then there's the bees. Oh the guys are running from bees, and it looks like a fucking matinee movie from 19, from like the 1950s. Not only is the animation what of the color? bee bad, but it's it's almost like it's like a square around the bee, and there's like a gray background behind each bee. Dude. You know? It's pre it's it's pre Nintendo graphics. Really it's Atari bad. fucking scoped onto the screen and these guys run out of frame going, the bees! Ah! <laughs> and then like and then like a sort of like nondescript packet, like packet of yellow sort of shakes through the frame and follows them out. It's ridiculous. So it's like I, I, I was like at that point I was like, okay, so this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So what exactly is happening? Or maybe he does in some points of this movie. Because if he knows what he's doing as much as I think we've talked about, he had to have known what he was doing with those effects in those moments. Like, what's he saying? What What was that? What was that about? <laughs> yeah, I think actually I was trying to find the quote. I don't have the article open right now. But I think, in fact, to this day, the people that did the animation of the bees brag about how cool it is. <laughs> Fuck off. I mean, I think yes. in what, one answer is that 30 years ago those effects looked cooler, right? Like when you played no. when you played Nintendo <laughs> no. and Super Nintendo. No. Hang on, when you played Nintendo and Super Nintendo, you know, you thought, "Oh man, this looks awesome." I remember a friend of a friend of Chris and I, I remember got a, a PS2 when it first came out. And I remember sitting there with him and we were like, "This looks more real than real life." Is a PlayStation Two, right? Like, go Google the fucking graphics. Like, that's so we. It was thought, like a try, just two triangles on top of each other. You so know? we thought it was awesome, and then looking back, like, oh, that that really didn't that really didn't pull it off. Look, I'm I'm with you, hundred percent on that. I'm not saying that like you know graphics that looked great that that looked great then like should look great now, but. The bees, the bees are, are like not are not another level. are not are not nineteen ninety two like the combustible special effects. Reverend didn't look good no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, I mean, you know, it, you don't have to be T two, but like you know, you can at least be Gremlins one. Like it doesn't have to be that bad. You were talking before, Andy, about how like um, how kind of like edgy and weird a lot of the the graphic sequence are the animation stuff yeah. and just sit about the bees and shit too. Like, so there were, so all the animations done by these two studios and one of them was called, I think angel studios. And the big thing they were famous for is they had done the volcano in the Dianetics commercial. Oh, nice. <laughs> was their like big calling card. At the Everybody's time. seen it, <laughs> but they were just like a bunch of fucking weirdos who lived in some like shack in San Francisco that they were like doing these graphics and, like there is a quote where they say, "Yeah, so they they did 23 minutes of digital effects in the in this five million dollar movie. Terminator Two had seven minutes of digital effects, and it was a hundred and twenty million dollar movie. 
So like, I know that movie's going to, or that money's going to other places, but they were like just a bunch of fucking insane tech tech guys. <laughs> Very nineties tech. Like, do you remember these people? Like nineties internet people. Oh yeah, right. They had multiple yeah. towers, and they would like tell you the specs of like the four eighty six in their computers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like our friend that tried to break into a ATM machine. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you have a friend who tried to break. Was he successful? He, I guess tried he was means he wasn't successful at going to jail. Hmm. This I, story. Do you want to hear the whole story, Ricky? <laughs> it's yeah. I'll, real quick. Him and a couple friends decided they're going to rob an ATM, but they picked one that was inside a mall. So they actually tried to tie up the security guard, yeah. like in a movie. Yeah. And then they broke what? into the yep. mall. And then the rumor I heard was that they just tried to hit the ATM with a hammer, but I think that's not true. They had some other thing they were doing. I don't know. That would like not Edward be Edward Furlong in T2. That yes, would not like be Edward a good Furlong. plan. I mean, you have a hard case inside, so Yeah, so and then the security guard got loose and like called the police. But then the crazy thing is they all ran away. One of them was a very distinctive looking kind of early 90s internet guy. I don't mean this rudely, but he was a very large man, very very large man. He was recognizable he, at 100 yards, a very very yards. big guy. So they had gotten away with this, right? A, the, a week later, he went back to the same mall to like go shopping, and the same security guard was working and was like, "You're under arrest for armed robbery." <laughs> this is in Florida, right? Yeah, in Florida, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very bully. Yeah. Very, yeah. very the movie bully doing the crime and then like basically going back to the scene of the crime and finding who you can to be like, "I did this crime." <laughs> I did this crime. I did this crime, and I got away with it. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think my, I think, I think my, the way that the response that you had to the movie, Andy, was like, I think the response that I consistently wanted with the movie, right. but I only got from a couple scenes. Uh, those being the child molester scene, right. uh, the the priest scene, and a and the VR sex moment. Outside of that, I think I was too dumbfounded and struck by the um, what felt like the sort of uh, inept visual style <laughs> and scripting of the film. But uh, I, I think your take on it is actually I wish I was I had been able to 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 have that take because I would have enjoyed my it's watch. It's the space a lot in which I'm able to enjoy the movie for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I, I find I found it to be a fun movie, even though like. You know, at times, like, it's very obvious that this is, uh, in many ways, a big piece of shit. But, like, I'm just incapable of, I don't know, just discarding it all. And so I just turn it into camp or enjoy it for whatever it is or my my nostalgia for those things. Like, for instance, I was I was saying at the beginning of the recording about um, the gun handling in the movie is, like, pretty bad. When the monkey is loose in the facility... Uh, there's these teams that are running two by two and the guys are holding up their guns and they're sweeping each other with their barrels. I can tell you, you ever sweep somebody else in a, in a, in a, in a moving team with your barrel, they beat the shit out of you on the spot. They put you up against a fucking wall because nobody wants to have the barrel of a live weapon, like sweeping their body. So that's why now you see like there's, there's a certain point like post nine 11 where like Hollywood gets consultants and they learn how to handle firearms. 
So even though it's incompetent, I sort of had a certain nostalgia for looking at this like pre 9-11 weapons handling where like Pierce Brosnan is one handing like an M16 and, uh, you know, just like pointing it at people with one hand and like doing like auto bursts, which would just aim it at the ceiling immediately. Like it's just (laughs) I just sort of love that. I don't know. Did, Did you have any notes on the way the monkey was handling the gun? Uh, textbook. <laughs> yeah, punch out, shoot the guy in the head. Predator he does vision. like nail him. He nails him right in the forehead. Do you? Do you want to just? You want to do the questions, Ricky? Should we do the questions? Yeah, now? let's do the questions. Let's do great. the questions. Um, go ahead, Chris. You 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 run the question section. Fantastic. I would love to be in charge of something. And thank you for this project. I promise to do a good job. Um. So every episode what? we like to ask. Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> you absolutely. <laughs> The sad thing is I honestly didn't see it coming. I really didn't. Um, Every episode on 30 Years Later, we'd like to end with three questions. Uh, Ask the guests first because it's polite. Um, Then they start off real easy. Andy, uh, what was your favorite part of the movie? Um, It's the early stuff before the action all gets going. I like the character establishment of Brosnan. I find just the it, it was it was fun seeing him in a role that wasn't the dashing, daring Thomas Crown, James Bond stuff, where he's just a fucking piece of shit. Every single yes. scene establishes another shitty character trait that he has. Where aside from being a, a brilliant genius, he really doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't care about anything but his research, and he's just like kind of a fuckhead. Yeah, supposedly this was like actually his, the mission that he was on during this movie. Where he kept begging the director to like light him worse and make him look sweatier. He was just, oh, really? I think it was right after Remington Steel had finished and he hadn't gotten James Bond because of some weird contract dispute. And he maybe was just going crazy a little bit. <laughs> well, then let me this... take back what I said earlier, that it was a missed opportunity. He clearly was leaning into it. <laughs> He was constantly begging to be shot worse and being told he was too pretty and it didn't make any difference. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very handsome man. (laughs) Yeah, he's extremely pretty. You can't really do much with him to like muck him up at at all. But I think if you like, instead of mucking him up, you let him play like, like maybe he shouldn't have been like a dirty guy in his basement, but like had all that stuff in his basement, but still looked. I mean, I guess they had him jogging a lot just to kind of, say why he was in such good shape like they like right. insert these jogging moments just to be like this is why he looks good guys <laughs> this is why he looks good right which i actually i actually think that's great i feel like you watch movies now and everybody in it looks like they work out for three hours a day and no one in the movie is working out yeah like you you watch a movie and you're like why isn't this guy coming from the gym or going to the gym? That's the only other place they would be today. Right. If or they like, like if you're this. like the mom has the world's most cut abs you've ever seen and is in this scene, yeah. like eating right. a hamburger, you're like, this is the woman has had not had a hamburger in 10 years. <laughs> right. Uh, Ricky, um, Ricky, what was your favorite part of the movie? So uh, I say also like the early character development stuff, uh, but I really like the scene where Jeff Fahey is getting uh, whipped by the priest. Um, okay. The father there. Like, you, you're I... so sick, Ricky. I love you so much. It's great <laughs> to be doing this again. I love that this was your favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't know that was going to be this. This movie was going to be that dark. And so when that showed up, I suddenly had like new high hopes for, for, 
for the movie. It didn't necessarily live up to them after that moment. But the father walks in and is, you know, like, Job, you forgot to sweep the the whatever in the church. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, father. I'm sorry. And then he's like, you know, he pulls a belt out. I think he actually does like the goodwill hunting thing where he like gives him a choice. He says, which like form of punishment helps you remember God's oh. lessons the best? And it's clear which answer oh. he wants. It's disgusting. Oh. It's so gross. And he just starts. I just did not see this movie going into that territory. It doesn't necessarily. I guess it does follow up on it with the way who he becomes in the virtual world. But um, yeah, I love that scene. It's so the acting is so hammy and it's so stilted. But at the same time, it's this incredibly disturbing material inside what feels like an after school special in terms of <laughs> how, it, how it's shot and how it's performed. Like all of a sudden you're watching this really fucked up after school special that, you know, would be a classic if it aired. Everybody would have bootleg copies right. of it and show it all the time for decades later. Yeah. That scene. Yeah. That fucking rules. And it- oh, and the and the and the dad across the street with the hard hat on, <laughs> like, like the the one thing to showcase that he was blue collar. He's like got a hard hat on. And also, and like the a funny thing pail. about that family is like, okay, so he's supposed to be the world's worst asshole in the entire universe. He's always beating his kid. He's always drunk. His his kid is like the world's sweetest child. That yeah, is right. Like, has no behavior. No problems. issues. Nothing. He's not traumatized by this at all. It's like he's like from a sitcom and has been somehow mistakenly put in this house. Right. He seems like it. He seems like it just started yesterday. <laughs> like he's like, oh, oh no. Yeah. But yeah, not 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 scared at all. Um, for me, like. I do also really like, <laughs> I like the stuff with the priest. I really liked when Job came back and burned him so that he looked like he was like from a, like a, a, a Disney channel interstitial. Like, and he was like <laughs> what was that? It was so Disney weird. channel interstitial. It looked like an old school MTV interstitial, right? Where yeah, it was yeah. like a ball of, like a, a stop motion ball of paper that crumbled up and then a stop motion little like animated flame. And it's it. great like, because the scene so otherwise is one of the most, most like like they're actually doing it one of the more ambitious shots in the whole movie because oh, yeah, they have job right. like silhouetted against the stained glass window on the second floor of this church and they're doing a crane shot like from the floor to the ceiling like perfectly framing him and then like the reverse view is is fucking like 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 the noid getting burned <laughs> <laughs> so i i was i was like asking myself why did they do this and i was like okay well there's no way that they didn't have the money to just set a human on fire that doesn't cost that much money like i literally had this conversation with a friend two weeks ago who hired someone to do it for his movie he was like it was sick the guy came over from florida gave him his money set himself on fire we got the shot it's fucking awesome cost it was like the cheapest thing we did in the movie and I was like, okay. And I asked him because I watched Lawnmower Man. And then it was like, so the only reason they had to have done it that way was either or two reasons. Either one, they wanted to, or two, they had nowhere else to shoot it but the church <laughs> that they had started that they had started shooting in. And then they were like, okay, in this scene, we're gonna set this guy on fire. And the location guy was like, No, you're fucking not. Not in the church that I've booked. The church like, made out of wood. What? That no. means that yeah, that sounds to me like they were diagramming around the shots that you were talking about. Where like yeah. he's on that second balcony, they're they're trying to like make him some sort of Christ or Antichrist kind of figure. 
and they feel like they can't establish that if the priest goes running outside on fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, just have him run out the door, for God's sakes, you know? No, but I think it was the first one. I think they thought it was cool, and I and I think that they felt like they did a good job. It was cyber it's, fire. It's a different kind of fire. So surprise. Well, like the bees, cyber bees. Surprise you're not familiar with it. There's actually many different ways that people get bad CGI murdered. They use this one over and over again where he turns somebody into a bunch of bubbles and they go, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's so good. That's right. They're getting like disaggregated, but they're still somehow alive as they like get (laughs) tumble dried. So, (laughs) so do you think that, do you think that the director was specifically referencing like what video games were up until that point? Because the graphics are actually a lot different. Like if he's trying to do a melding of worlds, the graphics are a lot different in the actual VR world, psychedelic VR world that they join than when he brings them to the real world. And in the real world, they end up looking a lot more like Nintendo or Atari at at the time. This is what is interesting about the movie is like, like I was saying, so two companies split all the CGI work in the movie and some stuff is literally just down to like, this guy figured out how to do something at his computer. And that's why the movie looks like this, like (laughs) the bubble shit where he carries the guy into bubbles. That was just this one guy at the company. They were supposed to be only doing the 2d animation, but he, and they didn't even have mice on their computers. They did everything on the keyboard, but somehow he figured out a way to like make those little bobbles. And they were like, Oh, that's sick. (laughs) And they just used it a million times. Yeah, I think they were just wilding out to be honest. Like somebody came up with something and they were like, yeah, that works. (laughs) Fuck it. Throw it in there. But again, that, that is another thing where I like, I find it cool. Like I appreciate that you have this. I mean, I know it's not you know big budget by the, the by today's standards or whatever, but I just I just love that they just they just went for it. They just swung for it. And said fuck it, man, throw that in. That's no problem. <laughs> we got I got I got bubbles. All right, yeah, let's go. Let's do Tony it. Made, Tony made these bubbles. And to be fair, wanna... if that happened to you, you would probably go like this. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think at first I would probably be like, what is this, a drawing? How is it in reality? What's going on here? I think you'd be very confused as to why this 2D thing is now floating around you. Yeah, all right. So the other question that we like to say is like, and this one is for you, Ricky, like what's the most 90s part of this movie? You're asking me that? I said your fucking name, didn't I, dude? Fuck, you know that I don't. No, like rehearse these questions. All right, or, yeah, or here I'll I'll go first. I'll podcast. go first. There's obviously a lot that's 90s about this movie. One of my favorite things is. The I mean, giant I think the most 90s. Thing I'm doing about it now. Don't interrupt. Actually... Shut up. <laughs> the giant silk shirts that Pierce Brosnan not only wears but has tucked into his pants throughout the entire movie. Fantastic 90s stuff. This kind of lawnmower man CGI, like this, was such a big part of like early to mid 90s culture. I feel like. Like, I used to have a friend that had a VHS tape that was just an entire Pink Floyd album with animation like this playing underneath it. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck are we talking about? I mean, the most 90s thing about this is that it looks like a fucking 90s screensaver. (laughs) Like, all the special (laughs) effects look like a 90s screensaver. Oh my god. And it, like, this kind of invented that aesthetic in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's so huge for the entire 90s. Yeah. This and and what's her name the the trapper keeper designer oh Lisa Frank. oh yeah Lisa Frank yeah. Lisa Frank yeah 
Um, and Fern Gully. So the third thing we talk about is what we've outgrown, right? Um, and I, I'll go first because I somehow, I mean, we've touched on it a little bit, but we haven't talked about Jeff Fahey's performance as the simple version of this character. Yeah, like, that's the one I sent you earlier too. That's, that's also my answer. Yeah, Yeah, dude, like, what the fuck? Honestly, what the fuck? The way that he is performing in the early part of this movie felt like, like violent to watch <laughs> to watch this guy pretend to be mentally disabled in some way i guess it's like running like, his tongue around him. his mouth a lot like he's like he's jawing and sort of like moving he's... his tongue around it, it's a very weird like what he thinks that big a... eyes big, big eyes, eyes a lot yeah. of the time yeah i showed my girlfriend the trip my girlfriend was like what what movie are you guys talking about today and i was like oh lawnmower man and she was like can i see the trailer and i showed it to her and she is currently in grad school for general uh, a generalist in special education. Oh, and she was like, I would never fuck him. <laughs> she was like immediate, immediately offended. She was like, she she kind of was like, yeah, that looks like it would upset me. Well, this is also like, something that, that we may, not only is it something we've outgrown, but maybe something that happened in the 90s. I think that like prior to, I don't know, maybe prior to I Am Sam, prior to some point in the 2000s, people did think like you could just be an actor and just hop in and just like do a generalized impression of somebody with a mental disability. Yeah. And sometimes like people even still like them. Like think about um, what's eating, Gil- think about like what's eating Gilbert grape, right? Like, like I think lots of people still like Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just, he's just hopping in there and <laughs> just, you know, making up <laughs> symptoms and going, you know, uh, and it doesn't really fit with any kind of the illness that exists or syndrome. That no, right. Yeah. Might have. It's just kind of like, you know, like, you know what these people are like, like yeah. that's the level of research they've done. Yeah. You know? Right. It's a, like a slightly more nuanced impression or like version of what I did in seventh grade to like impress, to like make my friends laugh. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's yeah. a little bit better than that. And I do admire you for not doing the, thing that i know was what you're talking about <laughs> it's just like i thank as the person who's gonna have to edit the episode i i do thank you for not doing it <laughs> who me yeah i was close i was close <laughs> i could tell yeah the i think the thing that we've outgrown the most uh we can we can come up with different ideas but the the most thing that the thing that we've most outgrown is Jeff Fahey's performance as a mentally handicapped person. It's just wild to remember it. Like you were saying, to remember a time where this was an acceptable thing to do in a major motion picture and all the different people that have to sign off on something for a movie to get made were like, yeah, that makes total sense. That's a great thing to do. Sure. You know, I mean, I'm willing, I'm willing to bet money that you can go back and find reviews that are like, this movie isn't very good, but Jeff Fahey really goes out (laughs) on a limb here. (laughs) (laughs) Showing a lot of bravery with a really touching, yeah. heartfelt performance. There are exactly. there are performances that still, I, I I could be wrong on this. There probably are people who criticize this, but I feel like Dustin Hoffman um, is is a more targeted performance in Rain Man, right? Where like he's producing symptoms that are that are trackable to an actual condition, and so has sort of gone. I don't. I could be wrong on this, but I I feel like that 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 kind of performance is still lauded. Um, but this one I mean, here, I, where it's just I a generalized, that, I watched that movie recently. Yeah, how was it? it? Was good. Did it hold I up? Mean, it was up? good. It, yeah, no, it's 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 really great. One of the things that really works, though, and I think it's discounted within that movie. What makes Hoffman's performance work so fucking well is how great Tom Cruise's He's incredible. performance yeah. is. Yeah. 
playing again, playing the total, like nearly irredeemable asshole yep. uh, uh, against the Hoffman character. Like he, Hoffman's always remembered, but rewatching it as an adult, yep. it was like, oh, Cruz is really doing this, this sort of the hard work yep. here. I agree. Is there anything anything else we grew out of? I mean, outside of the the graphics, or I don't think we've grown out of those. I think, like you said, Andy, they still look kind of cool. Not the bees, really, but the when he actually goes into the VR world, it's pretty cool. I mean, we've grown yeah. out of I think the disembodied head version of a smoky government agency that like has a weird uh, ethereal name like the shop, and they're back. <laughs> They're back. They're in the background orchestrating things. Nowadays, we just give them like the actual alphabet agency names. Um, the people, the people who are tasked are either like cold-hearted killers or they are uh, bureaucrats. Um, they don't look like this kind of like sinister, large head projected on a video screen. Going, I would like to see what happens with the Project Five formulas. Well, you'll just have to persuade him then. That sort of. Uh, I, I feel like that that was a trend in entertainment um a long time ago but that now it doesn't really fly but i do but i, f- I feel like I, f- I feel like where lawnmower man kind of succeeds and where what, what what we mostly get now is that now we get kind of like yes the system itself isn't working but eventually there's like one person within it or the hero will get help from one person within it that notices that something is bad and so therefore by the end of the picture the the system will come off looking better or looking like it still works right. because of it. And I feel like with Lawnmower Man, <laughs> yeah. yes, it's a yes, it's a disembodied head, and it's like, you know, big government existing as this con- sort of big conspiratorial force, but the actual honesty is is, is a bit more uh it's more it's a little more honest. Irredeemable with, with the evil presence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Versus versus like all of a sudden one guy will be like, you know, I went through your files. And it seems like you're onto something. Here. Yeah, small-minded <laughs> covert military ops goals when you're dealing with like the equivalent of like a, a psychic nuclear bomb. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. We've got to we've we, we've got to get his files. <laughs> like that's the major <laughs> right. concern. Yeah, or like you know the 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 most obvious example is Robert Downey is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, right? Becoming the good version of a weapons manufacturer. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's the sort of the the what what we see now is like, yes, sure, there's this thing the government or someone in the government is doing that is bad, but there is also a weapons manufacturer that is a good guy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dog. Andy, thank you so much for I coming think we on did the it. show. You can find Andy on Twitter at Wyatt Privilege, display name Warrior Cop. One of the Mr. Cop, of, thank you so much. Mr. Nice Cop, to talk thank to you guys. You. Yeah, thanks for giving me an excuse yeah. to watch this uh, incredible Oscar robbed movie again. <laughs> it was our pleasure. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great <laughs> night. All right, bye. You too, Andy. Thank you. Thank you.